You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Check, check. There we go. Hey, welcome. Good morning. Welcome to the Vine. Why don't we go ahead and find our seats? So glad you guys are here on this sunny day. Yeah, the church moves on. The church exists no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. And so, um, yeah, I'm so glad that you guys are here and it's good to be gathered. Let's give it up for the tech team real quick. Yeah. This stuff doesn't get set up on its own uh, every week. So, yeah, if you see David's kind of in charge, the guy leading music this morning, or anybody else, Justin's got an iPad running around, he's running sound, um, say thank you to those tech folks in this time of uh, unique gatherings at the Vine. Uh, It's a little more work, and so be sure to thank them when you see them. Well, guys, we are into a uh, tough text today. So if you have your Bible, we're going to dive right in. Uh, Matthew 24. And we're going to go verse by verse through a text that is probably one of the most debated. Scholars don't agree. Um, So I'm just going to walk us through it. Verse by verse, make some concluding applications, and then we'll be good to go. But yeah, hang with me this morning, okay? So imagine this. Imagine somebody came up to you and they said, hey, just so you know, in a few decades, the world as you know it in terms of the United States of America is going to implode. It will never be the same. It's going to be gone. The, the, the huge military that we view as a protector to us, the, the wealth of the United States, The political structures, all of it, gone, decimated. The the, the world of your homeland is going to be over. A new government's going to come and invade and take over everything you know of the U.S. and it's going to replace it with new structures. Like imagine if 1941, Japan... Was it 1941? Help me, Ross. Japan, Pearl Harbor. Is that 1941? I think, I, I think I'm, I'm good to go with that one. 1941, imagine Japan in, invades and they win, right? And somebody comes up to you and they, they predict this, that it's going to happen in just a few decades. That would pique your interest, would it not? It would probably inspire some follow-up questions, right? Well, that's exactly what's happening in our text for today, okay? Look at me at chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, 
There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So to put this in context, the temple that they're pointing out, architectural marvel, one of the wonders of the world at that time, okay? And so disciples look up to this architectural wonder. They make comments, kind of like if you were in Chicago, like I was this last week, and you see the skyline and the amazing skyscrapers. Like, that's an architectural wonder. It's worthy of comment. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And that's what Jesus' disciples are doing here in these verses. And Jesus stops, and he says, just so you know, all that's going to be torn down. This temple that you think is amazing, it's going to be decimated. The representation that it is of the Jewish nation, it's going to be decimated. Like, like how's that for a, a conversation shifter? Well, they keep walking. You know, it said in verse 1 that they are leaving the temple. And they keep walking. They go up in the Mount of Olives. And you can imagine the disciples chirping to each other like, what, what's he getting at here? Like, what's this, what's this mean? Temple's going to get destroyed? Like, what? <clears throat> well, finally, they get the courage to ask him. Verse 3. And he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So now Jesus is going to answer their questions, okay? And it's going to get tricky. I'm just warning you, all right? I know it's hot. Just hang in there with me, okay? I, I plead with you. Like, this is going to demand some concentration to see what Jesus is doing here. Like, this is a hard text to understand this morning. I'm going to do my best to make it clear, but it's just going to demand that we walk through it piece by piece, okay? So let's, let's get into this. The whole key here this morning, guys, is that Jesus is answering two questions, not one. You see it? Verse 3, look at it in verse 3. They first ask, when will your prediction about the temple come to pass? When will these things be? See that in verse 3? Second question, when are you going to return? Your coming is what they say. See that? Now, these guys would have thought this was all going to happen at the same time, okay? But Jesus has a different timeline, and he's going to answer this, these questions one at a time. It's very important. So first question, let's dive in there. First question, when is the temple going to be destroyed? He just predicted it. And his disciples now, they want to know the dates. Tell us when. Well, he doesn't give dates. He gives signs, though. Signs that you're going to have to look for and believe Jesus' words by faith. Okay? Listen and believe. Theme in the, huge, in the whole Bible. Listen and believe. Listen to Jesus and believe. Okay? So, Jesus is going to give them signs. Why? Because he wants them to be prepared, right? When the Romans invaded, if you know anything about world history, A.D. 70, huge, huge time in the Bible, huge time in world history, the Romans invaded Jerusalem. It's a known fact. You can read your history books. Jewish historian Josephus documents it. It was savage. It was brutal. 
they destroyed Jerusalem. The temple as the pinnacle sign of the Jewish nation, destroyed. And he wants his people to be prepared, okay? Not shocked and paralyzed, but to see certain things, to see certain signs, and then remember what Jesus said, and then do what he tells them to do, okay? He wants them to be saved from the wrath of the Romans that is coming in just a few decades. Listen to my words, he says, and trust them. Okay, so let's look at what he says. Verse 4. And Jesus answered them. Remember, this is answering the first question. When is the temple going to be destroyed? See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Look at verse 8. That's, that's, that's a key. All these are just the beginning of birth pains. All right? So what is he saying here, verses 4 to 8? There's going to be people in their lifetime after Jesus ascends, right? Jesus dies, resurrected, and then he ascends. And before A.D. 70, so roughly 40-ish years, a few decades there, he's saying there's going to be people that rise up and claim to know things about the kingdom of God, and they're going to lead many, many people astray. And, and they didn't have the 24-hour news cycle like we do, so they're going to hear rumors, right? They don't get a Twitter feed, instant information, but they are going to hear rumors, Things happening around the world, wars and rumors of wars. And Jesus just says, don't fret, don't freak out. This is going to happen. It's not the Romans yet, okay? The key phrase, these are just the birth pains, right? So, so what are birth pains? Ladies, a lot of women in here are out here that have had babies. A lot of women here have had babies recently. What are birth pains? Well, they're a signal, right? They're a sign. The birth is coming, right? But the birth pains are not the actual birth, are they? Now, you got to pay careful attention to the birth pains. You can't ignore them. But they're not the main event that everybody's waiting for, right? They're just a sign that that's coming. And that's what Jesus is saying here. When you see these things, it's not time to go to the hospital yet. You got your bag packed, but it's not time yet right? They're just birth pains. Don't go yet. The wrath of the Romans, it's not quite yet. It's not quite yet. All right, so let's summarize. Where have we been? So he tells his disciples, they're asking, when is the temple going to get torn down? And he just says, you're going to hear about crazy stuff. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. Well, more stuff's going to happen. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved." 
So we know all of these things happened after Jesus' death and resurrection in the early church. All you got to do is read the book of Acts. All this stuff happened. False teachers, Paul promised it, Acts chapter 20. They're going to come in like savage wolves. False teaching, false messiahs. So many of the early epistles of Paul are dealing with what Jesus says right here. False teaching, imposters, right? People with hard hearts falling away for many reasons. So this, this is just a summary of what Jesus says to look for. These things are going to happen. But it's not time yet to get out of town. It's not time, if you remember the analogy of the birth pains, it's not time yet to go to the hospital. These are just birth pains before the fall of Jerusalem and the temple. Remember, this is the question they're asking. But now let's look at verse 14. Verse 14 is tricky. And a lot of you have heard verse 14, myself included, interpreted differently. This is, this is like a classic missions verse. We love missions at the Vine. We love church planting and missions. This verse is often used as a, as a missions verse. And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. A lot of people read this as the end, meaning Jesus' return. I don't think that's what this means in context. I think the end that he talks about in verse 14 there, the end will come, is the end of Jerusalem as a power represented by the, the temple and their structures. Now, why would I say that? How could verse 14 be connected to the destruction of the temple in AD 70? This cataclysmic event, just like if our White House was torn down, that would be a cataclysmic event for us. So verse 14, what about the gospel being preached to all nations? Like, had that happened? Had that happened? Did that happen before the temple was torn down in 70 AD? How could we say that? Well, in a sense, the answer is yes. Like, we know the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit poured out on his people. The gospel spreads like wildfire to the whole known world. So much so that Paul writes this. Listen to how Paul talks about his mission, about him leading a movement of church planting after Jesus died, rose, and was ascended to the Father before the destruction of the temple. Listen to how Paul talks about evangelism. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, this is Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings, listen to what he says, has been made, to, has been made known to all nations. So did, G, did, did Paul reach the gospel to every single corner of the globe? Well, we know that didn't happen. But, we, but I think what Paul means here is that all the known world at that time that he knew of, right? They didn't have worldwide travel. The gospel has gone to the known world as he conceived of it. He uses all nations in that sense. 
So I think that's what Jesus is saying at or saying here, that the gospel is going out to the whole known world. And Paul seems to think that that happened, right? So the gospel spreads like wildfire. Jesus, again, answering the question, when's the temple going to be torn down? When's our world going to implode, Jesus? Jesus tells them what to look for. Tells there's birth pains and then there's the actual event. You got to know the difference. Don't go to the hospital yet. The baby isn't ready yet. You have to wait until the water breaks, right? That's when you go to the hospital. And now he's going to tell them about when the water's going to break. And it's time to go. It's time to flee, right? And they're not going to flee to the hospital. They're going to flee to the mountains. That's what Jesus is going to tell them. Get out of town. You got to get out of Jerusalem. And that's what he tells them starting in verse 15. Look at verse 15. So, like in light of all this, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. So you hear this urgency? Like it's time to go. It's time to go. Why? When? Well, there's an abomination of desolation. That's what you should be looking for. Now, what the heck is that? Lots of debate about what this is, right? I think there's a, pa a parallel passage in Luke 21 that really helps us understand this. This is how Luke, in the parallel passage in his account, talks about the abomination of desolation that they're supposed to look for. Listen closely to what Luke says. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know that its desolation has come near. Same word. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So I think what the abomination of desolation is, is the abomination of the Roman army. They came in and they desecrated the temple by destroying it, right? And that's what Luke says. When you see Rome around the city, take note, they're coming and it's time now, right? The water has now broken. So get out of town. Flee. L look at 17. Don't hesitate. If you're on the housetop, Jewish house tops back then were real close and the, close together and flat roofs. You could jump from them from one to one. Don't even go down on the ground. Just run along the housetops. Don't come down. You don't need a coat. Don't worry about your coat, verse 18. Go. Now's the time. Be a good student of your wife. Take her to the hospital. Be a good student of when I say the Romans have come and they're on the doorstep of the city walls. Get out of town. Okay, that's what Jesus is saying. And he goes on to describe the horror of those days. Verse 19, alas, for women who are pregnant, for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. That's just a sign of saying, you don't want your travel to be hard because it's going to be really hard already. All right? So what, let's just stop right here in light of 20 verses. What is Jesus doing? 
what can we learn about the heart of Jesus for his people? His people then, his people now. Well, Jesus is just being a good shepherd. His people come to him with questions, and he's shepherding them through them. He doesn't give the answers they always want, but he is shepherding them through them. He's caring well for his people. He's caring well for this new people that he's created. His life, death, resurrection, ascension has created a new people. Jew and Gentile, all are welcome to come, right? The time of the temple and the centrality of the temple is over. Jesus is the new temple. You don't go to the temple anymore to center your faith. What do you do? You go to Jesus. Jesus said that he is the temple, right? This is a new thing happening. And their world is going to implode as they know it. God's people rejected the Messiah, but Jesus is wanting to preserve his people. He's wanting his church to move into the future without reservation, without hesitation, without Rome getting in the way and just slaughtering all of his people, right? He wanted their deaths to be a witness, not just them like in the carnage of, of thousands and thousands of people, bodies piled up. Like that's what Rome did, right? He didn't want them just to be a statistic. He wanted their deaths to be a witness, and they were, right? So he's faithful to answer the questions such that he would preserve them from the coming destruction and the wrath, right? When you see A, B, C, and D, get out of town, flee to the mountains. And we know through church history that that's what many, many Christians actually did, and they were preserved, right? He tells them clearly what to look for so they can be saved, all right? But now we turn a corner, all right? Hang with me. We're almost there. Now Jesus is going to turn a corner. He's going to look more to the future. He's going to start answering that second question. Remember, what was the second question? And what will be the sign of your or the time of your return? So now is where Jesus starts to answer the second question. This is where it gets tricky. Again, lots of debate. Lots of debate. You may have heard this interpreted differently in the past. Again, second question. When will you return? Verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now. No and never will be. Now that's our clue. That's our clue. He says, verse 21, look at it, for then, so we should be asking when. Is he talking about the destruction of the temple now or something else? Are there any clues that would tell us that he's talking about something else? I think there are. It's his description of the tribulation, this trouble, this craziness, this stress that's going to happen. The first clue that he's talking about something else is this. When he says, has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. Like he's saying this is the most violence and chaos the world has ever seen. Now listen, the destruction, if you read the history books of the temple and AD 70 and Jerusalem, it was horrific. Some people estimate a million Jews were killed. 
But we know throughout world history, worse things have happened. Just in the last century, Hitler, 6 million Jews. Stalin, people say 20 million people. Like the atrocities of Stalin and Hitler alone in the last 100 years make the Roman war on, on Jews pale in comparison. So is Jesus talking about the first question or the second question? So I think, and scholars debate this, you can debate this if you want. Could make for an interesting city group discussion this week. But I think in verse 21 when he says then, then, he means after a period, a big long period after the destruction of the temple. So the temple comes down, then a new time is ushered in. After the destruction of Jerusalem, there's going to be a period of great strife. And in God's mind, a thousand years is like a day, Peter tells us. And a day is like a thousand years. And this then is what we're living in right now. We are in the great tribulation. It's been happening for 2,000 years. I mean, think of the chaos that you see every day in the news. And that's been happening for a long time. This is great tribulation. And, and, and it's going to increase. Jesus says, look at verse 22, And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But, think about the heart of the shepherd again. The preservation of his people. But for the sake of the elect. Those people, his people, those days will be cut short. So, so the great tribulation, it's not going to be forever. Our world is not going to be in chaos forever. Jesus will come and bring it to a close at his return, right? Jesus has his elect, his people in mind from the beginning of the foundation of the world. See Ephesians chapter 1. And just like Jesus says he wanted to preserve his first disciples— from the chaos of the destruction of Rome. Jesus wants to preserve his new people, the church, Jew and Gentile, all are included from the, from the chaos and the madness that will come again one day and that we're living in and will increase. He wants to preserve his people. So just like he said before, there's going to come people that are going to try to fool you, right? It's going to be false messiahs, craziness. He's saying, don't be fooled. Look at verse 23. Then, so think about how this is a repetition. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. Like, you're not going to be wondering. There won't be any question marks. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. Like, remember what I said. Remember what I said. Listen to my words. See, so if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness. Don't go out. Heaven's gate, colt. Don't listen to them. Remember them? If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms. Don't believe it. Verse 27, this is key. For 
as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. So when lightning shoots across the sky, are you wondering what's happening? No, it's really, really clear, right? That's what Jesus is saying. Just like that, when I come back, there's not going to be any wondering. You won't have to listen to some guy, oh, he's out there, or he's over there, or here's the timetable, and you can count on this date. You, you don't need to listen to that. When I come, it'll be clear. You won't have to, like, read the signs. It's clear, it'll be clear as lightning in the sky. Don't believe the false words. And then he just describes what it's going to look like. We're almost there, guys. All right, hang with me. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, so as I read it, the time that we're in now, until he sees fit to bring it to a close, the sun's going to be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So now he's addressed both questions. When is the temple going to come down? And when will you return? And he doesn't tell them a date. He just tells them it will happen. And as we're going to see in the next few weeks, it's all about this. Be ready. Be prepared. Be faithful to Jesus' words. Listen to him. Listen to him. His death, resurrection proved that he's worthy to be listened to. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. He loves you. He wants to preserve you. God always has in view here the preservation of his people. If you haven't seen anything, see that this morning. He's a faithful shepherd. He wants to preserve his people. So preserved from the destruction of Rome 2,000 years ago or the wrath of God that will come at his final return where all things will be made right and things will be clear and there will be his people and there will be those that aren't his people and there will be a clear dividing line. We're going to see this in the days to come and, and, and it's just real, real clear. It's not popular in our culture right now, Right? But Jesus says, I am the dividing line. I am the dividing line. And so the question is, will you believe him by faith or not? When he comes and he says, I came to lay down my life for sinners. Do you hear that? Are you willing to listen? Right? When he says, I was raised from the dead. I will be raised from the dead. I was raised from the dead for your justification so that you could be made right with God. Will you believe that? and be saved on the final day. The gospel call goes all out. It goes out to everybody in this parking lot right now. It goes out to the city of Madison. It goes out through the church that has been preserved through tribulation, day after day after day after day. And the call is the same. Will you listen and believe? Will you listen and come to him? Because if not, the final day will be very, very uncomfortable. If you will, Jesus says, 
you'll, you'll have found comfort because you've come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. You'll find complete and ultimate rest on that last day if you're willing to listen. And that's what Jesus is pointing to in this text. He is a great prophet. All of his words will come true. He is a great shepherd. He wants to shepherd his people. Are you willing to be led by him and listen to his voice? And he will return. It's just a matter of time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your promises. We thank you for the fact that you are a good shepherd. You are a great prophet and you preserve your people. Lord, we want to we wanna thank you for preservation 2,000 years ago of your people. And we want to thank you for the message that brings preservation today. Help us believe. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen.